Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12 called The Wells of Salvation. In the the chest of the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments written by the finger of God, given to Moses, right? And then remade after he smashed them. You had the jar of manna and you had the uh, staff that budded, correct, in the uh, Ark. And so on top of the, the mercy seat there is, you know, the angel's wings, they're touching together. Uh, and then there's the mercy seat. So the law, here's the picture, is always testifying against us. The law, is, uh, the law brings the knowledge of sin, right? The law reveals that we are sinful. It shuts every mouth. It presents the whole world guilty before God. But on the mercy seat where the angel's wings touch, the blood of the lamb is sprinkled. And every time the law testifies to God that we are guilty, there's an intercessory work going on. It's the blood of who? The blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. And therefore, the law no longer condemns because the blood of Jesus has made the ransom payment. He has died in our stead. In 1 John, uh, turn there for a second. This is the, the picture that John paints. 1 John, just before Revelation, look at chapter 2. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. 1 John 2, 1, middle of the verse. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, parakletos, a go-between, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself, 1 John 2, 2, is the, there's the word again, propitiation, that means he satisfied God's wrath for our sins, And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, Jesus' work on the cross is what has now turned God's wrath away. His blood sprinkled on the mercy seat is now what intercedes for me and presents me righteous before God. That's what makes me sing. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for thou once was angry with me, but now your anger has what? Turned away. So if you're struggling, Isaiah 12, with things to rejoice about, and you're sometimes in your life, you know, you, you may be having some tough seasons or whatever, why don't you just start there? Why don't you just start there and just begin to praise the Lord for the fact that his wrath has been turned away from you, though he was once angry, that has been appeased forever. You are forever sanctified by the finished work of Jesus Christ. God loves you. He sees you through the finished work of his son and you are holy and righteous and blameless in his sight. Are you grateful? Reconciled by the blood of his cross. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, because you were once legitimately angry at me because I had broken your law. Not once. Not one commandment once. I broke all 10, top 10, over and over again in word, in deed, and thought, motive, everything that you could name. And 
I am presented guiltless before the Father because of the work of his Son. I will give thanks. And by the way, end of verse uh, 1 back in Isaiah 12, does this bring you comfort? And thou does comfort me. We are comforted by God. God is the God of all comfort, not some comfort. He's the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our tribulations that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort with which we are comforted by God, right? Uh, Paul says, God who comforts the depressed, 2 Corinthians 7, 6, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God, did you hear that? Comforts the depressed. That's a Bible verse. It's 2 Corinthians 7, 6. It's one that I spend much time <laughs> thinking about, not in certain seasons at least. It's a good verse. It's true. God comforts the depressed. And whenever I'm feeling down or beat up, I go back to the cross. And I say God's wrath. You know, God is a consuming fire. But I'm not going to stand at Sinai. I'm coming to Zion, baby. Do you understand the difference? If you have to face God at Sinai, you get the law. You want to try to measure up to that? But if you come to Zion, the church of the living God, to myriads of angels, the law has been satisfied. And you can enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. And so verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. Underline it. It's too good. God is my salvation. I don't just have salvation. God is my salvation. When I preach the message of salvation, I am not preaching a plan. I'm preaching a person. Easy for me to say. I'm preaching Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching self-improvement, although that will come from knowing Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching moralism. I'm preaching a person, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who died and became my salvation. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You shall call his name Jesus, which means Yahweh is what? Salvation. God is my salvation. Without him, I have no salvation. And salvation implies a problem. It implies you have to be saved from something. Amen? So, yes, from ourselves, from sin, from the law, from our flesh, and from the holy standards of God. I will trust and not be afraid. See, when I have this truth of God, this is why I worship, God is my salvation, these are attributes, if you want four characteristics of the saved, they trust. Fear is over, I will not be afraid, not completely, but you don't have to have a spirit of fear. For the Lord God is my and by the way, this literally reads, the Lord, Yah, the Lord, and it's, there's a repetition here. If you have an NIV, it says, the Lord, the Lord, double emphasis, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Four characteristics of the saved. They trust. There's an end of fear. They have strength from the Lord, and they have a song in their heart. This is worship. This is why we worship. This is why we give thanks to God. Because even if my life is in peril, if I stand before uh, an executioner, if I'm dealing with a difficulty in my health, that is not the end. My salvation is eternal. 
We're talking about heaven. We're talking about the millennial kingdom. We're talking about forever. We're talking about death dying in Jesus Christ and through the cross and resurrection. That's huge. That's forever. And so that is the fact that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, 2 Timothy 1.7, love and what? A sound mind, right? I don't have to be rattled around in mind. I don't have to be all um, broken up about all that's going on because there's so much to worry about. But this is, these are the characteristics of the saved. The more I focus on him, the more he becomes my strength and my song. Amen? He's my salvation. This is what David wrote about in 2 Samuel 22.3. My God, my rock, in whom I, have, I take refuge. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. Thou dost save me from violence. I call upon the Lord. 2 Samuel 22.4, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The Lord lives, Psalm 18.46, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. The Lord is my light, Psalm 27.1, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? David in Psalm 51 said, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of thy righteousness. Therefore, this is Isaiah 12, 3. You, now here's a plural you, singular before, kind of an individual you, and now a plural you, will, jo- will joyously draw water from the springs or the wells of salvation. Now, Isaiah 12.3 is quoted in a feast of Israel, and I'm going to show you what it is. I'm going to take you to John 7, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. When the Feast of Tabernacles would take place, it was the Feast of Joy called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, the most uh, joyful and festive, John 7, we'll look at 37 through 39, festival of all Israel's feasts, and I remember I mentioned to you that one Jewish teacher believes it's Jesus' birthday, the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll leave that to your own study. It's the most prominent feast mentioned more often in Scripture than any other feast. It commemorated God's past provision in the wilderness, this is Tabernacles, and his present provision. Because of the joy associated with the holiday, it became the most prominent of Israel's holy days, so much so that ancient rabbis simply referred to it as the holiday or the holy day. It was also called the season of our gladness. It remembered the moment in the dedication of the temple when the Shekinah glory of God came down on Solomon's temple and there was joy and the priest could not even enter in and there was the lighting of the fire on the altar in the Holy of Holies. The festival was observed on the 15th month, 15th day of the seventh month to commemorate the wandering of Israel in the wilderness when they stayed out in booze. The Feast of Tabernacles or booze features of the celebration included a holy convocation on the first and seventh or eighth days and the offering of many animal sacrifices. The Israelites were commanded to live in booths made of palm and willow trees during the festival to commemorate their period of wilderness wandering when they lived in temporary shelters. Town dwellers erected uh, these booths in their courtyards and on the flat uh, housetops. 
The feast is also known as the Feast of Booths. The English word tabernacle is from the Latin tabernaculum, meaning booth or hut. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Michael Lance says that at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It was the Feast of Joy called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, the most uh, joyful and festive, John 7, we'll look at 37 through 39, festival of all Israel's feasts. And I remember I mentioned to you that one Jewish teacher believes it's Jesus' birthday, the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll leave that to your own study. It's the most prominent feast mentioned more often in Scripture than any other feast. It commemorated God's past provision in the wilderness, this is Tabernacles, and His present provision. Because of the joy associated with the holiday, it became the most prominent of Israel's holy days, so much so that ancient rabbis simply referred to it as the holiday or the holy day. It was also called the season of our gladness. It remembered the moment in the dedication of the temple when the Shekinah glory of God came down on Solomon's temple and there was joy and the priest could not even enter in and there was the lighting of the fire on the altar in the Holy of Holies. The festival was observed on the 15th month, 15th day of the seventh month to commemorate the wandering of Israel in the wilderness when they stayed out in booths. The Feast of Tabernacles or booths features of the celebration included a holy convocation on the first and seventh or eighth days and the offering of many animal sacrifices. The Israelites were commanded to live in booths made of palm and willow trees during the festival to commemorate their period of wilderness wandering when they lived in temporary shelters. Town dwellers erected these booths in their courtyards and on the flat housetops. The feast is also known as the Feast of Booths, The English word tabernacle is from the Latin tabernaculum, meaning booth or hut. And of course, you can't help but think the very presence of God as he came in the person of Jesus and did what? Tabernacled among us, right? It is also known as the Feast of Ingathering, and it was observed observed the coming in of the harvest and so forth. Uh, Among the three major feasts of Israel where the males would come to Jerusalem Uh, was also Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles. At the heart of the celebration was a daily rite. Rabbinical literature tells us that each morning great multitudes would gather at the temple of Herod. They would come with a citrus fruit in their left hand, 
called a citron or an ethrog. The citrus fruit was a reminder of the promised land to which God had brought Israel, the bountiful blessing which he bestowed. In their right hands, the people would carry a lulab, which was a combination of three trees, a palm tree, a, a willow, and a myrtle. They represented the stages of Israel's journey through the wilderness. Each morning, the people gathered together. After the priest was sure everything was in order, he would hold a, a, out a golden pitcher, and I've heard some say a silver one. The crowds would follow the priest to the pool of Siloam, a pretty good distance, chanting some of the great psalms from 118 and otherwise. They would wave the lulabs in rhythm as they approached the pool. The priest would dip his pitcher into the water, and the people would recite the beautiful words of Psalm, excuse me, of Isaiah 12:3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This was every ta- feast of tabernacles. This was a rite that happened every single day. There was, it was the height of the celebration, including the lighting of the torches there at night. They would quote from Isaiah 12.3, and they would move through the water gate and back into the temple area. This specific commemoration of the water-pouring ceremony connected to tabernacles looked back to the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness wanderings, when the children of Israel had no water, and Moses was told to what? Strike the rock, and water would flow. The second time he was supposed to do what? Speak to the rock, and he didn't do what God told him to do and got, got himself in trouble. The crowd, uh, once this was done, they would ascend to the ramp, and once they had dipped the water and the, the pitcher in the pool of Siloam, and there would be a pause as the priest raised the pitcher into the air. The crowd would begin to shout during the, pre, during the feast to the priest, hold it higher, hold it higher, hold it higher, and he would try to do as much as he could by extending up his arm. It was considered to be the height of joy in the life of an Israelite if he could see the water poured on the altar at this great event. The Mishnah says, he that never has seen the joy of the water drawing has never in his life seen joy. That's how seriously they took this. And there was something happening on that day that was quite interesting. Look at John 7. Look in your Bible at verse 37. Now, on the last day, this would be the final day of the water-pouring ceremony, the great day of the feast, that's Sukkot or Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Imagine this. The the ceremony is going on. The feast is being celebrated. The pitcher, the golden pitcher, has been dipped in the pool of Siloam. They've made their way into the temple area, into the uh, area of the altar. They're getting re- ready. Raise it higher. Raise it higher. Raise it higher. And the priest is getting ready to pour it. And the voice of Jesus, and I like to think this is the way it occurred. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What's he saying? On the great day of the feast is when he announced this, brothers and sisters. You know how God works. He's saying, I am the water that came out of the rock. And do you remember uh, that God would himself stand on the rock, remember? 
If you go back and read the uh, Exodus 17 account, and the, I think it's in Numbers is the, the second time that it happens, you'll see that God said he would stand on the rock himself. Jesus is the rock that followed them in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10. And Jesus is saying, I am the source. I am the wellspring of salvation. Dip your pitcher in the well that I give. And from your soul, from your innermost being will flow what? Torrents of living water. The work of the Holy Spirit will begin in your life because when you get saved, what happens? The Spirit comes and does what? He dwells in you. He seals you for the day of redemption. And he begins to work in your life from the inside out. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of that work. I am the fulfillment of the feast that you've been celebrating this whole time. I am the God that allowed the water to pour from the rock. I am the rock. Come to me. Dip your pitcher into the springs of water, not into dead cisterns, and I will give you life. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of these feasts and he is the wellspring of salvation. This is what God wants to do in our life. And when you know Jesus, go back to Isaiah 12, well, you know, when you have the spirit of God living in you, worship just flows because the spirit came to glorify Christ. And so you can't help but worship the Lord. And so on this feast day, they would quote Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore you will, how will you do it? Joyously draw water. We need that one too, huh? <laughs> we need to do it with joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And when we have joy in our lives, man, it's a beautiful testimony to a world that uh, is happy, usually dependent upon circumstances. Therefore you will joyously draw water from the wells. Notice it's plural. There's sources everywhere that God wants to bring into your life. You've been listening to The Wells of Salvation, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Living Truth app is a great way to stay up to date with what's going on here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. There's Bible studies, family events, and of course, worship services. If you're out of the area, the Living Truth app has a lot for you too, like watching and listening to Pastor Michael's latest teachings. You can download the Living Truth app from your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, I love Isaiah 12 too. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. You know, a, a mindset on the Lord and him being your song, singing a new song, if you will, every day to him, is part of the way that you find refreshment connecting to this idea of wells of water. And so, you find refreshment as you worship the Lord. He touches you back, if you will. And, and you might be thinking, you know, may, maybe sometimes I just don't feel like it or, you know, uh, look, there's, there's other things that you can certainly enjoy. You can certainly enjoy a movie. You can certainly enjoy some good music that may not necessarily be Christian themed or based. But in the end, isn't it, you know, this is what's true for me. Every time I drink 
outside the wells of salvation, they don't just, they don't do it. They just don't really satisfy. So yes, enjoy your life. Yes, you can have, uh, you know, other experiences that are neutral, if you will. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing like uh, worshiping the Lord and staying close to him. Well, you're listening to the book of Isaiah here on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I have the privilege of pastoring a church in the city of Corona in Southern California called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And periodically throughout the year, we do 633 events. Now, these are apologetic events, and this happens to be on the Sanctity of Life happening January 23rd, and the special guest speaker is Scott Klusendorf. And uh, I'll tell you, he does a tremendous job on the issues of pro-life, euthanasia, things like that. And so Scott is coming to Living Truth. He's going to speak at both morning services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Sunday, January 23rd, and then in the evening to do a training and a Q&A. Now, all of this is happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. You can get information and driving directions when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on that church tab. Now, remember, if you're out of the area, these do also live stream on our YouTube channel, but if you can be here, it's always better. And again, it is walkintruth.com for Scott Klusendorf on the issue of Sanctity of Life Sunday. We'll see you here on the 23rd, or if not before, and we'll see you tomorrow as we do part three of The Wells of Salvation. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12 called The Wells of Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.